You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Okay, welcome back, uh, Real Presence Radio Landers, and to the third half hour of this two-hour program. And your hosts are myself, Jack Canelli, and my wife, Doreen. And Doreen is queuing up uh, one of her riddles right now. And uh, after the riddle, well, uh, well, I'll briefly introduce our next guest is Father Robert Keller of the Diocese of Fargo. He's currently pastor at St. Patrick's in Enderlin, North Dakota. And I'm sure you've got some other satellite uh, parishes that go with that. Father? I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. We don't want to get you, get it started too soon because we got to get this this riddle out of the way, but uh, you're on to answer it. Okay, are you ready, Father? Um, sure. Try to contain your enthusiasm on that okay. one. <laughs> the jokes today have a back-to-school theme. Okay, so why was the, mm-hmm. music, why was the music teacher so good at baseball? I don't know. Jack thinks he knows. Can I let him answer? Sure, I'll phone a friend. Okay. <laughs> Because she played the bass. Oh, that's a really good answer, but it's not my answer. She had perfect pitch. Oh, sure. But she played the bass, and okay. you know, when she wasn't pitching, that yeah, would be good too. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Welcome back, Father. Why don't Why don't you introduce Father briefly and tell us what he's going to talk about? All right. Well, you introduced him and told our well, listeners brief, more than strong. briefly, but we didn't say why he was here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is not just back to school time. It is also, I think we are on the edge, the the beginning edge of harvest time. And um, Jesus speaks about harvest occasionally in Scripture. And it, it can, as most things do, it can have a, um, you know, surface level meaning and, you know, and it can have a deeper meaning. And Father is with us today to share um, some of those things that we can learn from our meditation on harvest. Now, he's in a rural area, and he grew up in a rural area, and he is an incredible priest. So we're going to let Father tell us about why harvest and how it can um, kind of be part of your faith life. That's right. Sure. So as Jack mentioned earlier, I'm the pastor in Enderlin, and I also have Fingal and Sheldon. Um, they're three rural communities about 20 miles south of the interstate, Interstate 94, Um not too far from Fargo, Interstate 94 and Tower City and about 20 miles south. And when you're out in the rural area, I think you start to appreciate more the symbolism in the gospel. Jesus lived in a largely agricultural land, ancient Israel, where he was, uh, where he lived and died um, and rose from the dead had a lot of farming going on. Many of the people were involved in agriculture, and so it provided a wealth of natural images that he uses throughout the Gospels. He talks many times about seasons and planting and harvesting. 
the difference between weeds and grain, and this kind of rich tapestry of images that you feel a lot more in rural life than you do in a city like Fargo. Out here, the rhythm of the year and the seasons uh, have a big impact on the life of a parish, have a big impact on people's availability, uh, especially with harvest time upcoming. And like a lot of ways in the scriptures, when we have the time of the harvest, the image that's given in the Bible is founded upon the natural world. And this is why I think it's so great that we live in a rural and agricultural state, because the beginning of it is natural. Harvest is a time of reaping, where someone goes out into the field to gather the grain of some kind. In the region where I'm at, it's mostly uh, corn and soybeans. There's a little bit of wheat out here and some sunflowers, a little bit of canola, but those kind of things. In Jesus' time, grapes were grown and wheat and barley, and some other crops, probably more fruits and vegetables than we're used to in North Dakota. It's a little bit warmer in Israel. But the harvest images are founded upon that sense that people are going out into the field to gather something in, something that they have been working at for months, something that has been a lot of labor, something that has been watered by the Lord through rain, um, and now they're ready to reap the fruits of the earth. So that's kind of the beginning, the surface-level image. And that's something that we never want to leave behind, because in all of the other things that we could talk about, that surface-level image is the foundation. Once you have that foundation, there's beautiful things. Like one of the images that Jesus uses is of the four kinds of soil, and it gives us a sense that he often speaks of the Word of God being planted in our hearts like a seed. And so he talks about four kinds of soil. The soil that's like a cart path or the road, the soil that is the rocky ground, the soil that is full of thorns, and then the rich soil. And it comes in that the Word of God is planted inside of us like a seed. That it's given to us as a treasure. It needs to be weeded and distractions and other things pulled out. It needs sunlight and the grace of God. It needs rain. It needs time. And then it begins to bear fruit. On the cart path or the road, it doesn't bear much. On the rocky soil, it springs up quickly and then it dies. In the thorns, the concerns of the world choke it out. But in the rich soil, it grows and bears fruit 30 or 60 or 100-fold. And so one of the images of the harvest is that this Word of God, which has been given to us, this life of grace, the life of the sacraments, when they're nurtured by the grace of God, when they're nurtured by time and by space and by dedication, it bears fruit in our lives. It actually changes things. The fruits that Jesus talks most about are things like repentance and conversion, life of the covenant and faith and love. So one of the ways that harvest, I think, is used is in this sense, that when the Word of God is planted inside of us, when we receive it, it can grow and bear abundant fruit if it's given the right kind of soil, if it's given the time and the place Father, um, to flourish. Could you go back to the, so- the rich soil and just say a little bit about 
what makes soil rich? Because there is soil that looks like soil that, you know, but it isn't rich soil. What is it that's in that soil that makes it rich? And how does that relate to our, our lives becoming rich soil so that fruit can be produced from it? I think this is one of the places where the natural world gives us a lot of clues. Mm -hmm. And to anyone who thinks about it, I would encourage you to study soil formation because one of the most essential things in a good, rich soil is dying and decaying plant material. In a sense, it's like you have to have things that die, things that give up their life in order to nurture the soil. And this is part of what happens inside of us. Some of it is pulling out weeds and allowing those to die, clearing the land. That is part of what makes a good soil so that other plants can grow. Um, Part of it is sacrifice, is dedication, is a life of discipline, of planting and working the soil and adding this kind of organic material, adding this kind of energy to it. Um, That's part of what makes a good soil in the natural world, and it's a huge piece of what makes good soil inside of us, that it takes a life of conversion, it takes a life of sacrifice, it takes a life of discipline to really allow that soil to grow in our hearts. If we have too many other concerns, if there's weeds that are growing, if there's distractions and other things, the soil never becomes rich soil and the seed is never able to grow like it would otherwise be able to. So could you say a little bit about what needs to die in a human person to make that their soul that rich place? Like what kinds of things um, should die in us? I mean, you, you alluded to it, but... I know I'm off script. I think it's one of the places one of the places where Jesus talks about setting our hearts on the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So concerns about this world, concerns about material things. He mentions the flowers of the field and kind of talks about our appearance and being seen by other people um, as far or being seen by the Lord. So over concerns about things in this world, sins certainly, those are things that need to die in us, attachments to sins. Sometimes we're ready to justify our own actions, and it's important to try and let those go as well as we can, um, and as much as we can each day to live a life of, of conversion, of turning away from all of these things that really don't lead us toward the kingdom of heaven. Um, And I guess there's lots of other ways. The little things you could say, praying with the scriptures, a life of prayer, serving the poor, those spiritual works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy, those are the kind of things that also cultivate the soil and help lead us in the right direction. Kind of fertilize it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Well, we're, we're coming up on a break here. I think this is a good time for us to maybe uh, remind our listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're talking to Father Robert Keller about the harvest. And after the break, we'll talk about uh, how the harvest is actually a, a celebration and um, you know, talk some more about uh, maybe perhaps dying unto oneself and all of that sort of thing that, that contributes to uh, good spiritual soil. So... 
Stay with us for more to come on the other side of the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. I grew up in a, a very uh, faith-filled home. It wasn't Catholic, but very faith-filled. And uh, But when I got to college, I had a lot of questions, asked a lot of questions, didn't really get answers, and, and would say I became more of a agnostic. Um, you know, as I then uh, moved out to Seattle, I was really, really searching. And um, But then, you know, all through my life, everything was always compared to the Catholic Church. It was it was everything and the Catholic Church. And, and so I just really felt the need to... Um, to look into that, and I had a catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, so, I, you know, that was a great resource and, and spent a lot of time reading through that. So, yeah, I asked a lot of questions, um, had a lot of questions about the church as an authority, especially, and, and being able to rely on that. Um, truth, how can we know truth? Where is the truth? Real Presence Radio is available on Google Assistant devices, including Google Home, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To start this action, say something like, Okay, Google, talk to Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, Play Sioux Falls, or Play AM 970, or Play WWEN. From there, you can use words like Play, Pause, and Stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Google Assistant devices. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the middle of this third half hour of the today's installment of Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen Kennelly as your hosts. We're talking with Father Robert Keller priest of the Diocese of Fargo, who is in, uh, well, I guess he's resident in Enderlin, North Dakota, and we're talking about the harvest, and uh, uh, specifically before the break, we're talking a lot about the uh, the parable of the sower of the seeds, and I think we'll continue on that. I don't know, Dream, do you have a, a, a joke, a riddle queued up for us? I, <clears throat> excuse me, I do. Okay, Father, this one's on you now. Why doesn't the sun go to college? S U N. Um, I I don't know. Jack, do you have any? Uh, yeah. no. It already has a million degrees. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little slow on the laugh track on that one, Rachel. Father laughed. <laughs> Father did laugh. That was a very polite laugh, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. Okay, well, back to the harvest. Yeah, so before the break, we you talked about one of the images of harvest 
being the sense of the Word of God growing inside of us. But Jesus also uses it in a number of other ways. And one of the big ones that he talks about is like coming to reap the harvest, that the harvest is rich. And he has phrases like, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray the master of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest, where he talks about the fields being white with grain and the fields being heavy. Um, And part of it is that he's referencing the sense that the Holy Spirit has already been at work. People are longing for the Word of God. They're longing for the Christian life. And a huge part of what it means to follow Jesus is to hear that call personally, to hear the call like to go out into the fields and labor for the harvest, to become a missionary, to evangelize, to live in such a way that you're helping to gather this fruit or this rich product of the land into the barn and into the granary, or helping people to discover the fullness of the Christian life. And so it is, in a sense, a call to evangelize as well. We encounter this in so many places that John Paul II called our world a culture of death, that we have so many people around us who are longing for truth, who are longing for goodness, who are longing for beauty, who are longing to know and to encounter a God who loves them, a God who cares for them, a God who can forgive their sins. And so his invitation to us as believers, as followers, is to say live in such a way, to go into this harvest, to go boldly, to proclaim your love of the Lord, to do everything that you can to help gather into the harvest, to gather the harvest in. And it's, sometimes we think of evangelization as knocking on people's doors and, you know, asking them about whether they know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And That can be a part of it. It's maybe not as familiar in the Catholic world. But that kind of evangelization doesn't really... It's hard to follow up. It's hard. It takes a lot of energy and effort, and the results are not great. Jesus has already placed a ton of people in our lives, around us, people that we share interests with, people in a small community, for instance, that are already farmers, that are living this kind of reality of sowing and reaping, a harvest um, in their lives. And so to share that with them, to invite them to Mass, to connect with the people around you, that's part of where this call to evangelization begins. It doesn't have to be knocking on someone's door. It might start with a smile or planting a garden together or sharing your cucumbers and squash and zucchini with your neighbors. It might start with offering to pray for someone genuinely or stopping to pray in a moment. Those kind of things are ways that Jesus invites us into this harvest. And this is another one of these images that he uses in the gospel. So you're saying it's it's about those, quote-unquote, simple things we do to build relationships that are, you know, potential friendships, but those friendships are coming from a love we've received. Yeah. Yeah, a huge part of evangelization is is quiet and is small and is simple. The stories of missionaries in the past, the Native Americans, often grew to respect the priests and the missionaries who came because they served them. They 
cared for them, they took care of the sick, they taught them in schools, and that gave them the authority or the credibility, the moral right to be heard and to speak about the gospel. And it includes well, everything in between, from explicit evangelization and knocking on doors to the simple ways that we live our life and invite people to share it with us. I think you've given a lot of comfort to people like me, Father, on explaining that I can participate in the new evangelization, but it does not necessarily entail, like you had said, knocking on doors and things like that, because there are other more subtle ways that uh, we can evangelize others. So thank you very much. <laughs> but it's not permission it's to be that... lazy about no, it. No, yeah, it's not permission right. to, to lay back. It's good to mention that, too, because... I think sometimes for a lot of us, we feel awkward about doing some of these things. And I go back to the story of Jesus and his apostles, right? When he sends them out, I think they felt awkward, too. They're like, we're not ready. Jesus, what do we say? Like, you didn't give us a script. You didn't even tell us what to do. We're barely beginning this. And you want us to tell people about you or invite people to follow you? Like, what on earth are you doing? And... There's always a part of the gospel that's uncomfortable. There's always a part of following Jesus that's a step out of the boat. So, yes, it doesn't involve us, you know, dying on a hill of fright because we're so scared to knock on someone's door. But sometimes it might. Like the gospel, the call of Jesus should push us. If we don't feel it sort of tugging us along and inviting us further into life with him, then we're probably not on the right track. The, those early apostles probably felt the same way. I mean, he even tells them to raise the dead. And I don't know, but I've never quite done that. Gone out to lay hands on someone who has died and pray that Jesus would raise them from the dead. That takes a lot of faith. And we don't know how many they did or what all happened in the story in the gospel, but there's a challenge, too, for these apostles, that it's not just something comfortable and easy, and that's important. There's always a risk to the harvest, even in the natural world. I encounter that out here, that the farmers are excited and yields look good, but you don't quite know how it's all going to work out and what the weather's going to do and how everything's going to come into place. But the invitation from Jesus is to follow him and to do it anyway. And to he, gather the seed widely to right. as many people as we can and to be that kind of light to the world. And he also gives them permission, if their hearts are closed, to just shake the dust off their feet and move on. And, you know. Yeah. Now, this, this discussion about, you know, the idea of kind of having to step out with courage once in a while, uh, you know, it gets back to what we were talking about with Michael McGinnis, you know. Conscience and courage, you know, and I'm always reminded, I think most of our listeners have probably heard the phrase, Christ came to comfort the afflicted as well as to afflict the comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's that thing that sometimes your conscience tells you, I need to step out on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I was just thinking as you were talking to, you know, here we are talking to listeners to uh, uh, Catholic Radio uh, Real Presence Radio, and it's like, well, we're not, you know, even if you are, uh, what, preaching, saving the saved, or whatever the case may be, or preaching to the choir, it's not a matter of just reinforcing what they're thinking, but I think in those cases, it's like, 
encourage people to step out. You know, to step out. Mm-hmm. It, it's a call to do something. You know, you're hearing mm-hmm. the word, you've incorporated it into your heart. Now, what is it calling me to do? Yeah, and be reckless about where you're throwing the seed. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That was one thing. I was we were talking about that over the break, where I was a couple of years ago. The the idea of and it came to me in a homily where the sower of the seed was very uh, indiscriminate, mm-hmm. throwing it on the road and in you know among the thorns and all that. But that's where it's got to go. At least the word does. Yeah, in the story of the gospel, the master of the harvest, or the one who sows the seed, sows widely, sows it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Is You get the impression that he's throwing out seed constantly. And that's that's so important, because sometimes we can feel left out by the Word of God, or that, you know, the Lord hasn't given me very much. Well, that might be a problem on our end, more so than on his, because he's always at work sowing seeds. But with us, too... Our call is also to sow as many seeds as we can. The way that we live, the way that we pray, even smiling at someone on the way out of the grocery store, or being kind, or offering a listening ear, those are all different ways that we sow seed. Um, oh. You know, being in a rural area, it's it's also important, I think, at this time of year to mention, like, this is a time when... Life is busy and things aren't quite as safe. For any listeners who are farmers, it's a great time to have invite a priest to come out and to bless your facilities, to bless your machines, to pray with you for a good harvest because there's a lot of labor involved. And the invitation at this time of year, I think, is also to seek that blessing of the Lord upon the fruit of your labor and upon the gift that you have and the gift that you can share with people around you. Seems like it would be pretty cool to be in a crop duster plane and be doing the blessing from there as <laughs> they're spreading fertilizer or whatever it is they're they're spreading. Yeah, put some holy water in I the know tank. Some, yeah. yeah, I know some priests who have done that. Do you I really? I know some Father? priests who have oh, done that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But it's also you know being with people or blessing land yep. or those kind of things to mm-hmm. ask to ask for that grace of God and uh, to to really seek it because. We, we're in need of it. We're in need of it in the natural world. We're in need of it in the supernatural world. And the harvest can be a time of grace as well. Mm-hmm. And gratitude. And I, yes. yes, Father, we're coming up on our yeah. break here, but we did ask you to impart a blessing before of blessings. we go off the air. Would you do that, please? Very good. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. Lord God, we lift up to you all of our farmers and the crops that are ready for the harvest. We pray for your blessing upon them, that you would keep them safe. Pray for gardens and those who grow food for so many around us, that through their work, through their gift of themselves, they might discover more of your love and share ever in your grace. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. That Thank was you, Father. Father Robert Keller from the Diocese of Fargo. And up next... How can we draw our family members back into the fold of the Catholic Church? What would Saint, what would Saint Monica do? Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 